The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Let's whip open this episode without announcing ourselves properly. Let's That's do right. it. Welcome back to the Welcome Third Man. Welcome back to the back Third Man to Podcast. <laughs> I'm your co-host, James Kaminsky, and that murmuring you heard was... Your other co-host, Paul Kaminsky. Welcome back to the Third Man Podcast. Yes. It's a podcast all about Third Man Records, Jack White, and the history behind him, along with some goofs for the ride. Ah, lots of goose for the ride. And James, this is our first episode of 2017. Brand new year, brand new episode, baby. Fantastic. It's great to be out of 2016. That year sucked. Let's just get over it. I mean, look, there were some nice things that happened in 2016. James, we started this podcast. A young Barack Obama, I think, literally dropped a mic in 2016. So that's pretty neat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm sure we could, if we had to, gun to our head, figure out some nice things that happened. Folks, if you would like to find those nice things that happened at home, listen to our last episode where we went through all the great Jack White stuff that happened in 2016, and we got so much more, I assume, on the docket for 2017. Here's hoping. Yeah. But James, you know, we do a new topic every week on this show, and this topic is a special one. It's a little bit of a reprise. Is that right? Yes, Paul. This topic (laughs) is going to be our Trash Tongue Television Episode 2. Episode 2. I watch TV, you watch the ceiling. Uh, So, Trash Tongue Television Part 1, James, was all the way back in Episode 6. Boy, uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, pretty near, what, two months ago? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, and, and, and you guys really supported that episode. Thank you for doing that. And so basically what these Trash Tongue television episodes are, are us going through the different Jack White television appearances and television-related Jack White items uh, that we could find because, you know, Jack White has really used television as an important resource in not only his own star power but his music over the years. You know, I think I'm smelling just something in the air, Paul. Oh, <laughs> is that the cookies my lovely wife is baking? I think that might be what you're referring to, right, James? No, no, and it's not that butter bird that we cooked up last. You know what it smells like? It's like a truism. Like a truth. I think I smell. Oh, oh I, I think, think I smell. I smell a fact. Oh, I think I smell a fact. What is the most astounding fact? The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. All right. Well, you'll edit that. So that's cool. Anyway, (laughs) I think I smell a fact, James. I think I smell a fact. It's my favorite time of year. (laughs) (laughs) It's killing Paul. Quit breathing in that fact. (laughs) I think I smell a fact is the portion of the show where we go in and we elaborate on a 
segment of the show we've we've done prior, so it's not quite a stop breaking down. Right. But right. it's 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 kind of something neat we learned after the fact and you know, we want to share it with you guys. Right. For anybody new to the show, if we ever get anything wrong, we have you guys write in uh, and tell us if we're wrong and we have a segment called Stop Breaking Down. We also, if you think we missed something and send it to us. We will bring it up in a segment we like to call, I think, A Smell of Fact. This one comes courtesy of Callie Durga. Callie, you're wonderful. We love you. Thank you. So this goes back to our Christmas episode. We talked a lot about the Candy Cane Children's song, and that is sort of Jack's foray into Christmas music, uh, really, which he hasn't revisited much in his career. But this song was released a number of different ways, one of them being over a 45 single. The artwork for that 45 single is really cool. It's Jack and Meg selling little Christmas trinkets to somebody which we didn't recognize. Right, right. We talked about it, and we had no idea who it was. Yes, yeah, so uh, Callie points out that is actually little Jack Lawrence. And, uh, I mean, that's probably the best answer we could have gotten to that question. <laughs> He's wearing, like, a hat and a cloak and, you know. I am so happy that him and and his ilk have been constantly in the orbit of the Jack White universe for a long time, and it kind of solidifies that fact in my head. It's kind of like when you learn about history, you can't just learn about one place. You have to learn about the context of history. Exactly. And that's why I found some of those gold dollar releases so awesome, because Brandon Benson's all over them, and that's really cool. Definitely. For, for, this, for similar reasons, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that was a really fine fact you smelled there, Callie, and we really very much appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. I think we just smelled a fact, Paul. When I reflect on that fact. So that brings us, James, to our very first topic. And, you know, in these in these television episodes, we sort of divide them into some subtopics here. So we got a little variety for you guys. And, James, I would just really, really love it if you would stop stalling already and just tell us what that first topic is. Okay. Our first topic. It's a weird noise, eh? <laughs> it's a celebrity death match. Mm. back folks and the night is still young ready for more mayhem oh man paul do you remember celebrity deathmatch i do oh i remember <laughs> no i love uh yeah no i love celebrity deathmatch at the time i very much look forward to that that is the claymation mtv show where they uh, animated celebrities fighting each other in fantastical situations right very gory so it was like um, claymation claymation christmas level quality but it was also, you know, we're talking late 90s, early 2000s. So, you know, that's when it was sort of at the peak of its popularity. Mm-hmm. Jack White technically doesn't appear in this as an actor. But I figured I'd bring this up because it's definitely a super interesting tidbit in White Stripes history. This episode aired July 15th, 2006, which surprised the hell out of me because I didn't even know they were making Celebrity Deathmatch in 2006. What? Right. That's crazy. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. Boy, that show had a good long run. So it, it was season five, episode six, Stand Up versus SmackDown, which also had such topical people like Exhibit versus Paul Tuttle of the American Choppers. Fame. Wow. Uh, I can't believe that Exhibit fought the teacher from Saved by the Bell. Mr. Tuttle, can I try now? Pushy, pushy, move your tushy. 
sorry, Paul Tuttle Senior, the guy with the uh, okay. handlebar mustache, okay. who, who was like who built motorcycles, and I guess Exhibit at this point was no longer famous for rapping, but famous for tricking up, pimping up a ride. Yeah, it was pimp my ride. Yeah, that was that whole era. It's like yo, yeah, the yo dog thing. You know, I put a speaker in your friggin' wheel well for I some reason. Fi- I put a fish tank in your glove compartment. Just don't open it. <laughs> <laughs> or that fish will die. That fish will die. He mostly just put fish tanks in different areas of your car. That was that was most was, of that show. He was into aquatic life. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. It also featured Chris Rock versus The Rock. Very All creative. Right. Classic. Solid goof, guys. Solid goof. But it also featured Mr. Jack Black. Now entering the auditorium wing, I'm guessing it's some 230 pounds, our first fighter, full-figured funny man, Jack Black. Versus Mr. Jack White. And weighing in at just over 100 pounds fully clothed, the guru of garage rock and lord of the lo-fi, here comes Jack White of the White Stripes. In the classic tale of white versus black. Yeah, I'm sure no one could have predicted that. <laughs> Not a bit. I just love that it's 2006, so it's like Rax era Jack, mm-hmm. like pre-icky thump. It's such a weird era to do it in. It's just post Get Behind Me Satan enough for him to be known as Get Behind Me Satan Jack. So like he's he's in that right. full getup. So he's got the mustache, he's got the weird hair, okay. he's wearing a suit. Okay. Does he have the um, hat? He has a hat, yeah. Okay, it's the hat. I feel like the hat and like a cane went hand in hand, and we just he had a cane in this as well. Uh, Goddamn! So their fight was fight number two. Jack Black is the first to come out. He's uh, they they make a lot of you know fat jokes. It oddly enough, they got Jack Black to voice him. So it's it is actually oh it's really him voice. Yeah, they did not get Jack White to voice Jack White. It's very weird because. White says very little in the entire thing, but he occasionally will say a thing, and it doesn't sound anything like him. No one should ever try and do a bad impression of Jack White. It just comes across as offensive and weird. Yeah, it's not even like an impression of Jack White. It's just this guy's voice. Like, Hello. Now I'd hear Icky Thump Hoota Thunk sitting <laughs> drunk on a wagging to Mexico. They got no, like just, a, that's a Macintosh computer from 1999 to do it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Speech to text. Siri. Say hello, my name is Jack White. You're Paul. That's what you told me. Anyway. <laughs> How do I make Siri talk? Man. Siri, do a Jack White impression. Here's what I found on the web for do a Jack White. Siri, you piece of shit. <laughs> so like I said, you know, celebrity deathmatches style is to basically make fun of everybody who's in it. Jack White appears with the devil behind him uh, okay. with like a tuft of smoke and fire and ah. stuff with the cane. So- Satan was behind him. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, um, all right. Very clever. It was, yes, very, very clever. They announce him as weighing in at just over 100 pounds, fully clothed. <laughs> Dude, you look like some weird cross between toothpaste and a Dr. Seuss character. Where's your self-esteem? They make a lot of references to his altercations with Von Bondi's member, Jason Stoltzmeier. Okay. Which we won't get into. It, you know, that's its own... It's its own special shit show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So Jack White appears in the ring, um, and then the announcer says, he looks sort of uninterested. <laughs> so there's not, like, a lot of interviews around this. Uh, I was kind of hoping to hear the uh, impressions of the animators, but, you know, I, I figured I'd give some of my impressions. Jack says very little, and when he does talk, it does sound nothing like him. Normally it's not jarring, but because Jack Black is voicing himself, 
it's very jarring. So I'm like, ah, that's just a bad impression. If yeah. not even an impression. Jack White actually wins the fight. Okay. Uh, by getting Meg to tag in with him. Butterball. I can't believe it, Johnny. It's Meg White, Jack White's sister, uh, ex-wife, uh, sister, uh, ex-wife, uh, bandmate. Hey, Meg. Hey, Jack. Let's say we show this slob how we do it in the Motor City. Whatever. Meg jumps on Jack Black's back and starts hitting him with her drumsticks. He starts making fun of her for not even being able to hold a beat. <laughs> Jack takes a very tightly buttoned shirt, puts it around Jack Black's collar. Uh, it's so tight that Jack Black's head actually explodes. The White Stripes have done it. They've pinned Jack Black in a hopeless situation. You're done for. You want to know why? <laughs> That's the hardest button to unbutton. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> well, that was very topical of them. Right. So my impression was, that's a real, real corny line. That was really yeah. weak ending. Jack Black actually, at one point, gets the upper hand, and I thought this was very funny, because he gets the upper hand by pulling out a bass, because that's apparently Jack's greatest, Jack White's greatest weakness, is a bass guitar. <laughs> Jack White looks awfully scared down there. For good reason, Johnny. That's not just any guitar, it's a bass guitar, and Jack White is terrified of it. <laughs> so there's like some knowledge there but it's like dated and weird knowledge yeah. you know on on their behalf i thought it i thought it was a clever jab you know it was yeah it wasn't t- tasteless it, that yeah. one was kind of funny a few places reviewed it i the episode ign actually reviewed it um they said the the second fight was jack black versus jack white I'm not particularly big on either of these two guys, and it was nice to see Deathmatch dish out just the right amount of ridicule ridicule to these two. Then they say the top subjects were Jack Black's insanity and Jack White's lack of musical talent and weird, either affectionate or incestuous relationship with his sister-slash-ex-wife, Meg White. (laughs) Wow. So there Uh, seems to still be confusion even as far as 2006. I mean, I guess that's fine. I mean, like we covered in the last, I think it was TV episode, we talked about the Grammys and how the only reason his name was top of mind for the uh, Grammy voters is because he had concocted that crazy story that was circulating in the tabloids about Meg and him and what they were. And so I think it's actually genius on his part, but it meant taking a lot of weird abuse from people who didn't understand it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird that that people really latched onto that like they did. I'm glad they did because it really helped him propel to to stardom. But so this isn't the only interaction Jack White has had with Mister Jack Black, either real or fictitious. And I think that's going to bring us to our next topic. Ooh, tell me more, James. The MTV Video Music Awards. Ooh. So the MTV Video Music Awards have featured Jack White. On numerous occasions, because he has both been nominated for many, many things, and he has also won many, many things with MTV. I mean, he was really, he became a household name via music video. Yes, pretty much. I'm not going to go into all of his nominations and wins, though. I'm I'm just going to go over the times he's actually appeared on the Video Music Awards. Hit me! So this award show is held at Radio City Music Hall in New York, New York, every year. It is taped live. And the first time that Jack White actually appeared on it 
from what I could tell, which if I'm wrong, please email us, thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com, was 2006. Now, 2006 was hosted by Jack Black. Ooh. Very bizarre. Wow, we're hanging out in 2006 country, aren't we? We sure are. This is Tours era, Jack. The mustache is gone. He is in full Tours regalia, yeah, hanging yeah. out with the Tours. The Tours are actually the VMA's house band. <laughs> How did I not know about this? It That's is crazy. so, so good. And Paul, you are going to be kicking yourself for not knowing about this stuff because it's so good. Wow. All right. Hit me. Hit me. I'm ready. So first off, this is the only year in the span of 2002 to 2008, a span of six years that Jack White was not nominated for a VMA. Wow. The show was, was held on Thursday, August 31st, 2006. The intro to the VMAs is where you first hear mention of them, and it is so bizarre because they're naming all these pop musicians. They're like, the 2006 It's so weird, and I'm not. But they sure. were kind of a they were a thing though. I mean, they had a hit single that year. It shocks me that "Steady as She Goes" wasn't included there because that was a definite hit. Right, and it's you know it has a music. It has two music videos, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's got the um, go-kart one. And, and the cow and one? You know, I'm not sure what stood out really about it, but I think it was because that I'm used to the racks being this separate thing in the Jack White universe. And, and then hearing him in the midst of Lil John and yeah. the Jackass crew. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's... Uh, no, I hear you. It, it can sometimes seem like this private thing. They don't mention them as the house band, but Jack, Jack Black comes out. As host in an opening act. That's actually very funny. He, he does a really good job with that. And then pretty much apropos of nothing, Jack Black then says, Thank you very much. I think it's safe to say that the opening went pretty darn good. We kicked it off right. And now I want you to give it up for the Tours featuring special guest Lou Reed. <laughs> Wait, was Lou Reed really with them? Lou Reed was with them. What? Sporting a Hawaiian t-shirt and a super glittery, sparkly guitar. Paul, we got to hear a little bit of this. Yeah. It is so good. The Raconteurs are playing White Light, White Heat by the Velvet Underground. That's crazy. It sounds very off because Lou Reed's voice is so deep that it yeah. it matches up really weird with Brendan and Jack's higher pitch voices. But you can tell that, you know, the crowd really isn't super into this. They're not like a, a 
they're not a diehard Rax crowd. Like, yeah, the Rax are popular, but they're not there to hear rock and roll, really. They're there for the Video Music Awards. They're there for your Justin Timberlake. As I put in my show notes, they're clearly more of a Timberlake crowd. So Jack Black then says, The Raconteurs! You like that? You like that? Well, guess what? They're going to be here all night kicking out the jams. So that's when he announces that they are basically going to be there. <laughs> I and can't believe they did that. That's it's so nice because there's like um, frames on, on the video monitors and stuff that all say raconteurs. And then like behind them is projected the raconteurs. Wow. When they're playing, it's all about them. Yeah. And then right after that, Lil' Kim comes out. <laughs> They play, you know, like any house band does for Jimmy Fallon or uh, any late night talk show. They're they're playing interstitial music for the commercials. Yeah. They come back from commercial playing level, which is really cool. Uh, Jack gives him a taste of his like really screeching guitar, but it seems oh, like nice. he's trying to be a little more timid, not to scare too many people there. Sure. I mean, when has he been timid about that though? Like, why? Why then? I, it Is might. A... It might have just been the sound design. I watched. Was Alt. he was he cons- was he concerned that Lit would pee their pants? Like what what is he scared about? Paul, I I just want you to know I watched all two and a half hours of the show. <laughs> Why? Just to see to make sure when they come in and when they come if they're mentioned, you know. Yeah. James, you get the uh MTV Music Video Award for going above and beyond and actually watching the MTV Video Music Awards. Hey Jack, 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 don't don't play the solo too loud, okay? Christina Aguilera is just She's got this syndrome, and it's triggering her vertigo, right? She's vomiting all over Missy Elliott right now. You know that big trash bag Missy Elliott where Christina Aguilera is vomiting in that right now? Playing this. This is my Brendan Benson voice, by the way. I was wondering um, who it was. Jackie, maybe I can come on. I can just play a little drums. Now, Meg. No, no. Don't be rude. Okay. No, no. Or not. Hey, Swipe! Swipe, get Missy Elliott a new trash bag! No, 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 trash, put your thing down, flip it, reverse it, though. Oh, man. And scene. scene. As I was saying, they were playing level, uh, and then the song just kind of sputters out, which is kind of a theme for all of the songs. Most of the songs you'll hear, they just kind of sputter out into the rest of the show, which is kind of a bummer for me. I'm watching it going like, I want to hear more of this concert. Yeah, for real. But uh, Pharrell, it's pronounced Pharrell. <laughs> Check, check, one, two, check. By the way, this is them fresh off of the Leeds Festival in England, mm-hmm. um, which they had just played, and they're about to go play another festival, the Virgin Festival in Toronto. So they're busy boys right now, and we're talking the span of like a week all this has taken place. So that's two huge festivals and the MTV Video Music Awards crossing into three different countries. That's right. <laughs> that's that's a nutso thing they're doing. Yeah, that that is that is insane. They were really, really racking up those airfare. Uh, yeah, points. I mean, you can't say that they didn't try and promote that damn album. <laughs> it's true, and they did you a know? good job with it. Yes, they did. You know, the show continues. Uh, another commercial happens, and the racks come out with store bought bones. Uh, so they're just going Ooh. off f- doing their whole thing. Like, is it like the slow jazzy version or is it like the fast one? It's a little bit fast. It's it's different. All of the songs sound very like their live performances. Jack and Brendan like to do variations on the yeah the yeah. They don't try to make it sound like the album necessarily. 
again, song cut off short, made me very angry. I was very upset by this. I was like, I want to hear more of this store-bought bones. To put you in the mindset, we keep going back and forth from raconteurs and commercials to the jackass cast doing stuff, stapling (laughs) their genitalia. Yeah, it was a real wild time. (laughs) They come back from another commercial playing Yellow Sun, which I saw was a bold choice for the animes. It was a shortened version, uh, and Brandon was singing his heart out to this. He was really giving it his all, and Jack was doing his acoustic bit. Um, He's stoked to be on MTV. Yeah, yeah, he really he must be. And then right from there we go to Snoop friggin' Dog. Wow. When is that? By the way, that collaboration is bound to happen, right? Like that's Snoop gonna Dogg happen. Snoop Dogg and Jack. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's gonna happen. So when is what I'm saying? Uh, eventually we have a Beyonce performance, which in my head I'm uh, all I'm thinking is like, oh my god, oh my god, he's gonna be doing lemonade with her. It's yeah. gonna be a little bit foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> The funniest thing, the funniest thing about this was the All-American Rejects, uh, a band for those of you who don't know, are finishing accepting an award, and then all of a sudden, you hear Jack White freaking play a note of his guitar and cut through their speech. Ah! (laughs) That's amazing! Right into Steady as she goes, and the crowd goes friggin' nuts. Ah! (laughs) Made this record happen. Thank you so much. We just want a moon, man. I am getting so trash tonight. There you go. really funny to see this this them playing off somebody with a hit song yeah for real yeah i mean that's that's that you know, like showing the guy up kind of thing that he's sort of known to do once or twice over the years we had just talked about on the christmas episode he did that to no doubt yeah coming out on a turnstile stage like no 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 that's not yeah. the <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with No Doubt. No Doubt's pretty good. I like. Yeah, that. not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. I very much enjoy Return of Saturn that nobody likes, and I love Rocksteady that nobody likes, so... Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. I'm feeling telegirl, so I should keep on dancing. So to continue on with the tours. <laughs> Cue the Raconteurs. The next song they play, and I wrote in big, bold letters, whoa, was... Blue Veins. Ah, but their live Blue Veins is really compelling, though. Yeah, but this is the VMAs. Yeah. This is like, pump up the jam, and they're playing Blue Veins. But didn't he play John the Revelator at the Grammys? So, like... No, he played the Death Letter. He played Death Letter. Death Letter. All right, so that's a cover. He, he played Death Letter the freaking Grammy. So, like, yeah, but he's trying was... to show the people the blues, okay? Yeah, but this is like a slow, grooving rock. When I was... 
they could all let, let me tell you they could all use it all right he <laughs> probably true, did more true. in those four minutes for music in 2006 than anyone had done all year by simply playing that and johnny knoxville like yeah you know i should really rethink this whole being a dick stuff <laughs> <laughs> we man what am i doing with my life right now <laughs> yeah Wee Man's upside down uh, excavating the vomit out of Missy Elliott's <laughs> trash bag suit. And also Bam Margera is there. So uh, this this song, uh, it doesn't play a lot of it. Like I said, they, they, you know, they cut all these short. But right afterwards, Jack Black uh, looks at him and goes, you know what I just realized? Jack Black, Jack White were like two sides of the same coin. We should start a band. What do you say, Jack White? And uh, Jack looks, like, amused but not happy. So he's, <laughs> he's just going, like, uh, all right. So yeah, he, like, nods along. sheepishly to play along with the joke. I think he's into it. He's playing it cool, but I think he's – anyway. Anyway, we're going live to Britney Spears and Kevin Federline. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> I see you're wearing one of those wrist bracelets that's supposed to align your chakra or whatever. How's that going for you? I got a wrist. Can we, can, uh, Brittany, try and push him over. You can't do it. <laughs> He's got one of those ion bracelets. Oh, come on. You know Kevin Federline owns a goddamn ion bracelet. He's he was probably in- the chief investor in that company. He's super into Himalayan salt lamps, Paul. <laughs> so, right from Kevin Federline, uh, the Racks come back out to play a full song this time with a guest star, Paul. Can you can you name that guest star? Bob Dylan. Not Bob Dylan. One Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. What? <laughs> can you name the song that they play, Paul? With the Racketeurs and Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. Is it Double Back? It's, it's not your favorite song, Double Back. Jack and ZZ. Now, didn't ZZ, like, they've participated in other third man stuff, I feel like, over the years. Not that I know of. The Greenhorns played uh, as Yes, ZZ that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm remembering. All right. The song they're playing is Cheap Sunglasses. All right. Very nice. It is so good. You wouldn't expect it. Like, I'd, I'd expect Lou Reed's a better fit than ZZ Top. But, yeah. honestly, Billy Gibbons' voice really matched nicely with Jack and Brendan's. And also... Billy was really easily able to play off of Jack and Brendan's guitar playing skill sets. And like he would look at them and like tell Jack to play something and he'd do a little ditty. And it was like really well performed. They did a really nice job. Nice. I feel like we're going to get some kind of crazy-ass vault release or something later. They must have saved that stuff, right? I don't know, Paul. MTV would be stupid not to do anything with that, but... Moving on, after another commercial, they come back with Broken Boy Soldier. Keeler really rocks this one. Uh, They cut it off again. They come back with one other person, one other guest star, Mr. Jim Jarmusch, (laughs) came in to play... Of course. Internet killed the video star, which was a riff off of the 
The Buggles. Wow. Video Killed the Radio Star, which is not to be confused with the 2010 song Internet Killed the Video Star by The Limousines. The Raconteurs did it first in 2006, and it is so very Jack White talking about how Internet's ruining the world. (laughs) (laughs) So many black gadgets, so little time. I enjoyed it. Pretty good show overall. A lot of costume changes at this show, Paul. A lot of rags being tossed about. Oh, rags. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you'd have to wear several several rags uh, atop your frame uh, that is definitely put together by your flesh and right. your blood. Right, and underneath and, that flesh. Uh, your your organs. Bones. Buy them at a store. It's a rag and bone. Rag and store bones. Pull this rag and bone. Wait, James. Oh, right. Let's explain what a rag and bone is, Paul. Yeah, for for the people out there who don't know, the rag and bone is rag and bone is the segment of the show where we find all the kind of weird, crazy crap we found during our research of a given topic, and it doesn't quite fit anywhere, so we're fitting it into a segment we call rag and bone. It's a rag and bone. So this isn't necessarily to do with the VMAs. However, it is to do with Jack Black. So this is another instance in which Jack Black comes up in the third man universe. So via the AV Club and a couple other websites, and also via Twitter, Third Man Records has seemingly had enough of Jack Black, Jack White, Jack Gray jokes on Twitter. I can totally see that. They got so sick of people making jokes that Jack Black and Jack White should get together and make a band called Jack Gray that they retweeted over a hundred different iterations of the joke in one day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from people who thought they were being either original or funny. <laughs> Swank, I got a job for you. What's that? Yeah, that joke you made back in 1998. Yeah, that one. They're, they're still doing it. I need you to re I need you to retweet some some no no don't you walk away from me. Oh man, they they also retweeted a couple other like bad Jack White jokes, but it was mostly the Jack Gray jokes, and that is awesome. I I just love that passive aggression. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> passive manipulation. When you think about it, really. Hey, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a a Jack White. Oh, man, look oh. at all this. You don't want it. That. You sure you don't want it, man? I can do it. Mm-hmm. Take it. So that was the last bit of Jack Black. However, I just wanted to touch upon the last time I saw Jack White on the VMAs, which was in two thousand and seven. Very briefly, Jack White, with the white stripes this time, uh, in full icky thump regalia, was featured briefly on a segment with talking to Triumph the Insult Comic Dog for about five seconds. Ooh. Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, for those of you who don't know, is a puppeted dog made famous on Conan O'Brien's show in which he just makes fun of people. He's very rude, lewd, has some attitude. Uh, Triumph basically just makes out with Jack White. It's very bizarre. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Jack White is in a like a full white leisure suit with white <laughs> fedora and goes, "It's been so long," and then proceeds to grab Triumph <laughs> and, and make out with him. That's awesome. Uh, which is not the first time Triumph 
has mentioned the White Stripes uh, in other Triumph, the insult comic dog, Jack White-related trivia. He mentions the White Stripes in the song Aikid, released in 2003. Hey, White Stripes guy, is that your wife or your sister? Shouldn't you be playing country music, mister? (laughs) Okay. And not only that, in the music video for Aikid, they have two dogs dressed up as Jack White (laughs) and Meg White. And at I one just, point, Jack is Jack White Dog is sniffing the Meg White Dog's butt. That is, first of all, amazing. Second of all, I've totally, you are jogging some kinds of crazy memories here. I remember that. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> James, speaking of 2006. Yeah, Paul. Does that bring us to our next topic? You're cleared for topic. <laughs> we just so happened to pick uh, evidently nothing but 2006 stuff this episode because our next subtopic here is in 2006 it's the it's really funny hey paul may i be the first to say what dough Ray <laughs> Egon. Yeah, so Jack White appeared on The Simpsons in 2006 in the season 18, episode 380, Jazzy and the Pussycats. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, which uh, which aired on September 17th, 2006. I didn't actually watch this when it was on. I think I had I was I was not. I had I think I'd fallen off the Simpsons bandwagon at the time, but. I was still I watching do... it every day with Dad in the family room uh, yeah, as a okay. Sunday night tradition. You know, those later seasons we could talk about for days, but I think it's safe to say we love The Simpsons, and uh, I'm very happy Jack White was on it. This episode was seen by 8.9 million viewers, so talk about exposure. And it was written by Daniel Chun and Stephen Dean Moore. Just a brief plot overview here of the episode. So the citizens of Springfield have had enough with Bart's antics. Of course they have. Yeah. And Homer and Marge are forced to uh, place Bart into therapy where he's given a drum to act out his impulsive energy. So Bart takes to the drums and Lisa is uh, is kind of left feeling like her brother stole the one thing that was special about her, which is music. I've never seen him happy. The episode kind of centers around that, but Bart is playing this drum around town and they burst into this parody of the White Stripes Hardest Button to Button video, which is directed by Michael Gondry. Bart is playing the drums all over town in the in the Michael Gondry Hardest Button to Button video. You know, if you, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, it is it's kind of this sort of stop almost stop motion, you might describe it as this thing where you have the different kits kind of appearing in succession with the beat of the music and it's obviously done in some sort of a time lapse and james you might be able to elaborate a little bit more on that but yeah i I mean it is stop motion in that every time meg hits the drum they have to set up an, an entirely new drum kit a few feet in front of her and it it basically walks down the block like that. Uh, it's really cool effect, and so obviously it, it left a lasting impression. The Simpsons parodied it here, and so this is sort of via a Simpsons wiki here. Every time Bart hits the bass drum, he creates a new identical drum kit next to the other drum kit, but leaves the old drum kit behind, therefore creating a trail of drum kits. Bart goes around Springfield through the Springfield Elementary School with Principal Skinner chasing him in time with the music, and soon goes onto a footpath. The camera then pans around the corner to see Meg White on the drums doing the same as Bart and Jack next to Meg singing the lyrics of Hardest Button to Button. 
So it's basically Bart is crashing the hardest button to button video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the funny thing is, this is 2006, so this is a little bit of time after that. But they had put out Satan and the Raconteurs what, by this what, point. What month was this again? This is September. So okay, yeah, no, this is peak racks time. So I guess the animators would have been in peak get behind me Satan time. Right, but it just it feeds into this whole thing because like in Celebrity Deathmatch, that was basically satan era or tail end of elephant era jack anyway you know what i mean so like obviously that era of jack left an impression soon they crashed together hey kid why don't you watch where you're drumming sorry white stripes no hard feelings let's kick his ass so then uh they chase bart until they get up to a bridge uh with a ditch in the middle of it and a body of water underneath bart drums over the bridge getting to the other side safely but jack and meg do not and they fall off the bridge and land onto a boat filled with rubbish they then wave their hands in anger at bart as he drums away to the other side according to mtv uh, I found a little bit of background on this episode. We have, via a spokesperson for Fox, Jack and Meg recorded their lines in New York on November 30th, before Jack mm-hmm. lost his voice and was ordered by doctors not to speak. Huh. I, I didn't know that this episode with Jack not having a voice was even a thing. Anyway, so episodes take between six and nine months to complete. Now we play the waiting game. No, the waiting game sucks. Let's play Hungry Hungry Hippos. So while The Simpsons is currently in its 17th season, Jazzy and the Pussycats won't hit the small screen until season 18. So this was actually done a little closer to the button-to-button thing, but it's still kind of hitting that Satan-era stripes. The White Stripes are just the latest addition to a long list of musicians to visit Springfield. Last year, 50 Cent appeared, and uh, Britney Spears, Blink-182, R.E.M., Sonic Youth, Cypress Hill, etc., This is via Mojo Magazine in 2008. The band, who sold over 12 million albums worldwide, recently signed a multi-million dollar deal with Warner Brothers and landed a guest appearance on The Simpsons around, I guess, the same time. Uh, Which was great, confides Jack. Nice. But they should have made our skin white, not yellow. (laughs) Now, the, the most interesting thing I found actually about this thing was there's some controversy over whether or not Jack and Meg actually voice... The characters I saw, here. I saw some of that uh, on like forums. I was reading. I was very skeptical about this. Um, I I found out about it via an article on EW that says I have now watched this YouTube clip approximately forty three times, and I remained unconvinced that Jack and Meg's speaking voices are actually theirs, and they have one true line each, which is true. They don't really talk much. Still, after careful analysis, a couple spins of this old NPR interview. I have some serious, serious doubts about the true identity of the actors delivering those lines. They lied to us about being brother and sister. Who else knows what they're capable of? Oh, God. Oh, God. In all fairness, when you... Pl- James, let's play these lines here. Hey, kid, why don't you watch where you're drumming? Let's kick his ass! That really doesn't sound like them. I mean, Meg's kind of high energy. Jack sounds a little weird. I'm willing to accept that it is. I-, I purely say I understand why people think it's not. All right. As somebody who works on a podcast, as well as working in the animation industry, dealing with that kind of stuff, recording into a microphone after several takes, it's going to sound way, way crisper and way, way different than how you would sound in a normal everyday conversation or on a on a boom mic that's like uh, 10 feet away. I don't know. It's It's easy for a voice to sound different when it's edited and 
put into a, a format that they like and they can use. I hear what you're saying. I agree. But the fact remains, it does sound markedly different. So I get why there's a controversy. You gonna hit me with that last topic? I'm gonna hit you right with that last topic. What's our last topic, James? Our last topic is The Daily Show. Whoa! He was on The Daily Show? Yes, he was. What? Tell me more. This is The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. The most important television program ever. So the White Stripes appeared on The Daily Show on December 1st, 2005, actually. We're, we're really wow. sticking with this time frame. Yeah, that's right in there, isn't it? <laughs> and guess what they're promoting? Get Behind Me Satan. Wow. So this is the Jon Stewart era Daily Show. Mm-hmm. With the old Comedy Central logo and all. It's touted as being the first musical performance ever on The Daily Show. So they, wow. they kicked it off. They they were the first, which would then lead to performances by the likes of Springsteen and Ringo Starr. <laughs> yes, he did. That's right. He did yeah. do that. Springsteen actually played out Jon Stewart on his last episode, and it was amazing. So we can thank the White Stripes for basically paving the way for this to happen. Not that it probably wouldn't have happened otherwise, but hey. No, nah, we can thank him. It's cool. All right. In a press release, he, he had said... So, we've never had a musical performance on the show before, not because we haven't wanted one, but because we were holding out for a reunited Spando Ballet. This will have to suffice, John says in his press release. In the actual episode, he continues on saying stuff about how uh, this is the first time that they're doing this, and why are they doing it, and they don't really know. He says that <laughs> music and news have always gone together. I think we remember Zeppelin on Koppel. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Jack you know, does Tom, for sure, yeah. Tom Brokaw was known as the Don Kirshner of news. <laughs> <laughs> John Stewart knows a thing or two about music. And jokes. John basically apologizes to, it, to his audience saying, like, we just really liked their music. Um, and for those of you reading into things, we assure you, we just... Like their music. So we asked them to come on, and for some reason they said, okay. Yeah. I mean, Jack is, I mean, he does the late night circuit. He and Conan are tight. You know, he's got a relationship with Colbert, or he would brew one eventually. So he's no stranger to this kind of thing. I mean, I think he views it rightfully so as a way to reach more people. Yeah, totally. So they introduce them. They get rousing applause. So, like, after all the press that this episode was getting i'm sure it was mostly third man fans and they they really just screamed and he said like apparently the white stripes far more popular than our actual show <laughs> they played my doorbell In full. Which was kind of a, it was a pretty decent hit at the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, was, it was getting radio yeah. play, which is a lot uh, for that album, you know. Right, and not not long after that, I think Jack Johnson did a cover, and I mean, they had sort of like an a, an FM radio, if you could call it that, sort of a an, an indie rock hit with Denial Twist, too, which I don't think has got, got as much mainstream appeal, but... Which, speaking of, they also played Denial Twist on the show. Ooh, really? Yeah. 
And let's hear a little bit of Denial Twist. In both cases, Jack is singing into a cherry red microphone with like full peppermint lights everywhere and the red and white stage lights are on jack is playing on my doorbell he's playing on his piano on like two pianos stacked together and uh on denial twist he's actually playing on his airline guitar you really don't see a lot of him playing in that get behind me satan get up really yeah he has his classic red and white amps that are emblazoned with the Jack White 3. Uh, and Meg has a little tiny tambourine attached to her right drumstick. So every time, every time she hits her right drumstick, it plays a little tambourine note. No. It's adorable. Meg. Hey, oh, does Jack Meg. have the uh, xylophone? No. No, no, he doesn't. Bummer. He's just got the piano and the guitar. Yeah. But he does some sick renditions of both of those. Then they sit down for an interview with Jon Stewart. Apparently they're fresh from their Eastern European tour. Hmm. Yeah, we were we were just in Europe, and uh, before that we were in Eastern Europe, which we never went to before, and South America, Central America. We went to a lot of places we never went to before. Where, now, where in Eastern Europe? We played in uh, Serbia, in Estonia, Latvia. Uh, Estonia and Latvia in particular, the rockingest of the Eastern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> don't, us to, don't underestimate the Baltic states. Uh, John Stewart then asks, how's the pot? <laughs> Jack White stays pretty silent during this and has like a wry smile on his face. And then uh, John John Stewart then like relishes in in say in introducing the band into playing. Like they, they go on to play the denial twist after the interview and, and John's like, This is what talk show is. We could play a little bit of that too. This is the magic of television. Watch this. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, performing the denial twist of their latest album, Get Behind Me Satan. The White Stripes! At this point in The Daily Show's history, the Colbert Report is also intertwined. Oh yeah, 2006, it must have just started. Yeah, they check in at the end of every Daily Show with Stephen Colbert. It's like a a very short segment at the end of every episode. So Colbert Uh goes, hey John, enjoyed the White Stripes. It's funny, our guests tonight were theoretical physicist, bioterror expert, Katrina Van Hoovel, editor of The Nation, and former security <laughs> czar, Richard Clark. But you are muckraking on a stripped-down indie rock duo. Hey, <laughs> hey, could you ask Jack if the riff on Jumble Jumble off their DeStyle album was an homage to Iggy Pop? Because wow. it always sounded like early Stooges to me. Oh, or, that's awesome. Or maybe MC5. That's awesome. That's the, I mean, no wonder he and Colbert are friends. <laughs> right, which is actually going to be our cliffhanger, Stephen Colbert. Ooh. Nice. And Paul? Yeah. That's going to do it for our topics this evening. We'd like to welcome our third man this week, Michael Cass Jesitis. How you doing there, Mike? I'm well. Hi, James. Uh, How are you? Hi. 
<laughs> Mike, you're back. Oh, where have I been? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, in the in the sequence of time in the universe here, uh, you will have been freshly back after having not been on the show since episode two. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's remarkable how time flies and jumps around and is completely nonlinear. <laughs> Correct. All of that. Yes. yes. Mike, we have you here to not delve too much into the history of this television appearance, but to talk about the Dead Weathers appearance on the Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown show, in which he goes to see Allison and the Dead Weather play in Disgraceland. Uh, so we, we, we got you here to, to do a little bit of a reaction, a little different. Reaction I can do, prep I cannot, so I'm happy to. Okay. okay. Hit us, Mike. What you got? All right, so I've been a Bourdain fan for many years, read many of his books, followed every one of the five shows he's had, something like that. So wait, 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 Nash- let me, wait, wait, let me stop you right there. First of all, he's had five shows? He has, yeah. Oh, yeah, That's he's a lot. Cr- yeah, really? He, he's a bad boy chef, Paul. What's not I, to love? I know nothing about Anthony Bourdain. I, I just, I don't. Um, I'm with Mike. I follow all his shows. I love okay. them. I'm yeah, sure he's great. I just don't good. know anything about they're him. They're really good. I'm Anthony Bourdain. That's right. I write, I travel, I eat, and I'm hungry for more. So he's like he's like the Hell's Kitchen guy, but like well read. Oh, you can't even compare them. No, it's like Anthony Bourdain is Jack White for all intents and purposes. He doesn't give much of a. Sh- he's a loner. He's like a pirate. He's great. He's he's amazing. <laughs> He's so he's a troubled loner chef. He, yeah, but that's perfect, though. It's so good. Okay. So gotcha. there was the Nashville episode. So I looked at it on the DVR and I was like, sweet, Nashville, hot chicken, I'll watch this. And then out of nowhere, it, the intro just has like Moss Hart in her charger. And then the entire episode, little to my understanding, because I did not read the description, was just all Bourdain, like chilling with Jack's posse. <laughs> Nashville. If you haven't been there, you probably know it as what? A country music capital, Grand Ole Opry, and it is Music City. And there is indeed plenty of country music, both genuine and fake-ass. But it's way more than that. But Jack is really not in it much until the end concert, which... To be fair, is also not really the focus of the show. There's more time in a bowling alley than there is in that concert. <laughs> That's right up Jack's alley. Oh, uh, with his bad bowling ball, Ruth. Oh. It's been a good run, everybody. We can close yeah. the show. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. Is Allison with him at the bowling alley? Yeah, and Dean's there. And like it's really, it's Dean's there. It's really funny, and like Jack Lawrence is there, but he doesn't really talk. It's good. It's really good. Now, how did Jack Lawrence find a bowling ball to fit his six fingers? It, it's, it's, it's not explained. <laughs> He's just there. Okay. Like you have like I don't even think they intro Jack Lawrence. I think it's just more like I know that's him. <laughs> the whole thing is really like the Moss Hart Hour. And then there's occasionally like some Dean Frittata. These are adorable. They're like little itty bitty individual frittata. Is that even? For, wait, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> Fertita. For um, You're pronouncing it like the delicious dish Anthony Bourdain might prepare, a frittata. And then you just fill up the little tins. Isn't that cute? So apparently Allison's 
brother is a chef, which is the yes. reason that he got hooked up with her. And again, I'm trying uh, to do this all from memory. I'm not looking at anything. But yeah, uh, Matthew Matthew Mosshart actually that we've talked about before. He did helped with Karen Elson's Christmas dinner, cooking a delicious Moroccan turkey. That's right. How do you know this? Because we were told by Mr. Carl, Carl Butterball, who is this delicious Butterball turkey? Stunned silence. I'm, I, I know. <laughs> Mike, you anyway, killed Mike. Carl with disinterest. <laughs> Continue. Mike, that's our beloved character, uh, oh, Carl Butterball. Okay. Uh, he's beloved. He's, a, he's an institution. So there's some scenes of uh, <laughs> Allison driving around in her car, Bourdain making wisecracks. There's some, like, there's some segments about, like, why did you all go to Nashville? And I think there's some, like, upfront shots of, like, the outside of Third Man... And it's just generally just showcasing like them as like the prototypical we escaped where else we lived, went to Nashville and found like-minded people. There's this booming music capital. But the one thing I really liked is the time that Jack does show up, he really is like embodying the sideman and he's just there. They never yeah. interview him. He doesn't really talk. But you can tell that was the intention that whatever they did when they signed it up, it's like Jack's not the focal point and that's totally okay. Uh, worth noting, worth noting, this was uh, recorded a, a little over a month or about a month after the Muppets. So he had, uh, he was pretty oh. busy. In, he was pretty busy in the spring. I think the Muppets was on the air in March, and this was actually recorded in April. Yeah, he may have also taken a back seat because the dead weather, Jack always has been typically taking a back exactly. seat in, in that band. He's been trying to sit in the drummer's seat and, and not try to be Jack White. He's trying to be a member of the dead weather. And that came true. Like, I mean, that was definitely like, it was clear that that was the intention. And I just personally liked it. Yeah. And Mossart is Mossart's plugging an amazing new album uh, on that show, which is Ash and Ice oh, by The Kills. so good. It's and that so album good. is dope. Oh, my God. And Part of a dog. I, oh, oh, my God. Uh, oh, uh, she's a saint. Uh, she's a gift. Uh, so my recollection of the show is uh, that's basically where it ends. I watched it one time. It was good. And they cooked or something? Okay. Okay. I think they cooked something. Yeah, I think it was Matthew Mossart got some uh, good screen time. Allison just seemed like a badass. Jack was barely there. Uh, there's a bowling ball scene at the end where they're talking about, like, eating food and why they're hung over from the night before, but it looked incredibly staged. So yeah, it was a good time. Nice. Nice. Check it out. <laughs> Apparently Margot was on this thing too. Really? Oh, oh she, yeah, she was. was. Yeah. yeah. See, that? I, I love that album, but I kind of forgot she was there. Yeah. It's like oh, a whole she's... big third man love fest. Like I'm probably sure like, like Pokey's there somewhere. Just like, Hey, I'm here. No one <laughs> forgot he... about me. He went to Margot's house in East Nashville, and it looks like he's sitting on a deck here eating salad. So that looks delightful. Where's the Where's the hot chicken, Mike? You promised me hot chicken. Oh, next episode, Mike. Thank you so much for being on the show. I know I know you've been busy, and I know you've pulled a little time out of your schedule for us, and and we greatly appreciate it. So uh, so thank you. Is there uh, any anything you'd like to plug? Any any albums perhaps that you like um, to listen to? I really like the Rogue One soundtrack. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yes, thank you. What's 
So yeah, that's going to do it for our episode today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Yes, yeah, and thank you for hanging in there with us and joining us for the new year. We really appreciate it. We're really excited to bring these shows to you in 2017. We had a blast doing it in 2016, but we're stoked to keep going. And guys, if you have any like requests for topics or anything like that you want to shoot our way, please do send us along. If you have a story you want to share on the show, anything like that, you know, let us know. Drop us a line on Facebook or uh, send us an email, thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You know, we want to talk to you guys. The whole point of this show is to connect with fans like ourselves. So, yeah, do that. Yeah, totally. Speaking of connecting with us, you can do that a number of ways. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thirdmen. True. You can do that. You can go to our Twitter handle, which is at thirdmencast. We tweet a bunch, uh, so go on there and check us out. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Tumblr and tumble with us at thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. Yep. Or you could go straight to the source where we post all the episodes and do all the show notes at uh, thirdmen.wordpress.com. That's where we post everything and all that stuff. We're also available on Podomatic and the Google Play Store and Overcast and all those places too. So if uh, you'd like to find the show other places other than iTunes, you can find us there. Mm-hmm. As for sources, if you want to get directly to us as sources, you can email us at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com, or you can you know search us on the interwebs. You'll find a way. Uh, we also do a YouTube visualizer. They, they go up a, a day or two later than the episodes go up, but they, they get up there eventually, I swear. James does awesome YouTube visualizers, and there's some really great Easter eggs in there, and we are cooking up a contest for people who can spot all the Easter eggs, so be prepared to just really lose a lot of time from your day and don't forget to rate and review us on itunes or whatever a podcatcher you're using it really helps spread the word to other folk let's be honest with ourselves here it's you guys that make this show right you know i mean we're doing them but if we were screaming these into the wind like crazy people then we would just be doing what we were doing before this show anyway so we need your feedback in order to spread the show and get it to more people because you know as we've said many times you know we don't really we don't make any money off of the show whatsoever so we don't really advertise at all so it's up to word of mouth and from viewers like you that'd be great if you could do that when you guys do spread that joy uh, you do it quite well. Yes. Oh, yeah. We have some, some champions of our show. Let's, let's give a couple shout-outs, Paul, shall we? Oh, yeah. What we've decided to do in the new year is to really break these into two categories. The people who are supporting us on the reg and, like, the new people. You know, we want to give shout-outs to both because they're both they both mean a lot to us. So, new people. Let's do it. We have April Bradford Tracy. Thank you so much. April, you're the best. Uh, we have Wendy Johnson. Thank you, Wendy. Yes. Thank you, Karen Prophet, for liking our show. Karen Prophet, love you. We have Hannah Scudder. Thank you, Hannah. And we got Kate McCoy. Thanks so much. Ah, uh, Kate McCoy, my favorite X Man and uh, uh, Star uh, Starship Enterprise surgeon. And then, of course, supporting us each and every week. Uh, the feedback we get from you guys after we post the shows is always we can rely on it. We love it. Uh, thank you so much to. First and foremost, Callie Durga. Thank you, Callie. You've been nothing but kind and supportive and fact-checking Yes, us every single week, and we really appreciate it. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Callie. Uh, it's, it's the highlight of my Wednesday when I can read your response to the episode, so thank you. Also, thank you to Adrian King. 
you guys are the rails upon which our train is built on because you are keeping us on track for learning yeah. the things. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Jeremy Riles. Jeremy! Hooray! You've been awesome, man. I'm having a wonderful time. Thank you for all the feedback. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, seriously, thank you. And and another huge thank you to Andre Lyman. Andre. <laughs> Every week you... you respond to the show and and tell us what you thought and we we really definitely appreciate it so to all of you guys uh new and old listeners we we really we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts because we didn't think anybody would be interested in listening to two goofballs shout about one obsession (laughs) (laughs) well james when you put it like that hey swank i think i think these guys are unhealthily interested in me swank no, I know you are too. That swank. But uh, thank you guys. You know we're back every week with a new episode. We want to keep these consistently coming out for you. As always, we have to thank Susanna Roundtree for her intro and outro. Yes, we do. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you to Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for uh, our theme song. We're the Third Men. Uh, we had a blast recording that, and uh, it's a, it's the perfect intro and outro to our show. Thank you, Sam and Tom. Yeah. So I think that's gonna do it, Paul. And as as always. I'll be looking for a home. I'll be looking for a home. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Worst outro ever. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. So are we doing it for the top? Yeah, from the top. Once more with Vigor. Canyon, 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 canyon. Siri, do a Jack White impression. Even robots know what what's not funny. Even the robots get it. The flies get it. Even the strawberries get it. Bring a Jack White back. No, can't do it. You know, can't do a no, sexy back thing. No, no, no. no, no. no. So they're bringing sexy back white. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having some more of my rum drink. I could use one of those. I'll I'll have it after we finish. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really bad. How do you spell ZZ Top? Hi, Charlie. I kind of see you, I think. No, I think that's a Is vacuum. That vacuum. I think that's a vacuum. Oh, well, hi, portrait of Paul and Susanna. You Where? look quite lovely on the wall. That's Bopshi and Paul. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're blurry specks. Love you, dear. I was talking to Paul. Oh, <laughs> oh man, Skype. Skype. You're not making this easy on us. Yeah. I could go for like a pizza. Ooh, like a whole pizza pie. Mm-hmm. The best kind of pie. The pizza variety. Are you done ordering your pizza or do you want time? <laughs> no, keep going. All right. Really? It's just don't go crazy with like the salt.
Okay. Well, I'm not gonna add salt to a pizza I ordered. That's weird. No, I know. You know what I mean, though. Like nothing that's too too salty. Okay. We're we're in the middle of recording, but Skype froze so bad it had time for me to call and ask you about this pizza. I'm a good good pizza boy. Love some James. That round dough. It's gonna why be the pizza. First of all, why does Pizza Hut require a password for their website? And I just got a login error. It's like it's like what am I doing on your website, Pizza Hut? That is necessitating a password. But you need, okay, you need an entry code to their hut. Excellent wonderful, stuff. Wonderful. I'm gonna go ahead and order this pizza real quick from Pizza Hut. Paul's a good pizza boy. Sure. <laughs> James, I have a real situation here. There's no Pizza Hut close to me. <laughs> oh, you guys broke up for that last part there. Can you hear me? Bye, Mike. Bye, Mike.